Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Tori Whitaker, author of the new novel, A Matter of Happiness. Nicola Harrison wrote about the novel, A Matter of Happiness will take you on a wild ride to remember. From the modern-day bourbon distilleries of Kentucky to the speakeasies and parties of Detroit in the 20s. With astute attention to historical detail, Whitaker tells the tale of two strong-willed women, Melanie and Violet, determined to make it on their own terms. You'll find yourself rooting for these two young women connected by a cherished 1923 Jordan MX as they attempt to navigate modern womanhood and what it really means to be happy. Tori, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. I'm so glad you invited me. Absolutely. Well, I know that uh, the quote that I just read um, gives some of it away, but I'm wondering if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your novel, A Matter of Happiness, how would you describe the novel? Well, it's a dual timeline novel with the historical thread being in the early 1920s Prohibition era Detroit, where Violet is a young, adventurous flapper. And she leaves her most cherished item to her great-great-great-niece almost a hundred years later. And that's Melanie in the modern day. And Melanie is a rising star in the bourbon industry of Kentucky. And so it is something they are two very fiercely independent women, almost a century apart, and the, the secrets that Melanie discovers about her aunt and the challenges and dreams that they both face. Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write A Matter of Happiness? I do. I think the the little kernel of it really was probably eight or 10 years ago. With my husband being in the automotive industry, uh, we actually spent 10 years in Detroit ourselves. And he now, in semi-retirement, does customizations of the interiors of classic cars, like going back to 1930 Fords and stuff like that. And and I thought for a long time, what if there was an old vintage car that'd been stored away for decades and, and then somebody finds something in it of importance? And, and that was the germ of the idea that led to this story because Violet leaves her journal in this car for Melanie specifically. And Really, Melanie nor anyone else knows about wild the wild days that Aunt Violet had in her youth. What was your initial writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? I had a long journey, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote two complete novels before getting published. And not that it's that unusual in the industry. It isn't. But... I was also working full-time in a corporate administrative job, and I would write during my free time, basically, vacation time, weekends, nights. And I finally just said, okay, I'm going to try this again. And my third novel was the one. You just don't give up. You just keep going. What was it that made you sit down and start working on your first novel? Had you always been a reader? Was it something that you'd always wanted to do was to write a novel? I like that question. For me, it came 
to history first for me. I specifically remember being five years old and my grandparents had taken me to a museum and there we stood before an old Ford Model T. And I look back and think that was the first moment I fell in love with history. By the time I was in fifth grade, I was planning the family vacations with going to Jamestown, Virginia or whatever, not Disney World, you know. Um, I always loved Mm -hmm. history. I would go walking up the rear steps in an old 200-year house and touch the walls and think, who has walked these steps before? So history came first for me. And reading, uh, probably second, and, and even writing, I knew by the time I was ninth grade that I loved to write. But it wasn't really until I was 27 that I thought, okay, I want to write a book someday. And it took me another 20 years to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you? You talked about history. What research did you do as you were working on A Matter of Happiness? This novel did require a lot of research because there's two industries, the automotive industry and then the bourbon industry, which I've kind of juxtaposed the prohibition era with the modern day bourbon enthusiasm, you know. But uh, I had to research Detroit uh, online because COVID was in effect and no one was traveling. And though I had a memory of the city that really helped, of course, I didn't know about it in the prohibition times. And so there was a lot. Mm -hmm. Most of it was books, more than 100 books and online sources from dissertations to letters to videos on YouTube that had people dancing in the 20s and recipes and and everything. I mean, uh, Google is a wonderful resource and I would (laughs) tend to double check things with multiple sources if I found a good little tidbit. Like, for example, the, the automobile that Violet leaves for her great, great, great niece is called a a 1923 Jordan MX Playboy. That's the name of the car. And I discovered that Jordans were wildly popular with flappers of the era, and so much so that F. Scott Fitzgerald named a character Jordan in The Great Gatsby, named (laughs) after this car. And there, there was more surrounding this car that I just found fascinating. So I knew that would be the one. But I want that's the kind of thing I'll double check two or three sources. Given the dual timeline and also, as you just explained, the, the historical element of this novel, um, w- what is your process for writing it? Did you write like an extensive plot outline? Um, how does that work for you? Well, I was a born natural planner. Both my parents were planners and I was too. So I, I plot. I start with a rough outline. And though, say if you're going on vacation and there's a detour or or you discover something else you want to see while you're in another city and you do it, that's sort of how it is with mine. I've got the outline, but as the story develops and becomes more evolved, I easily can take detours and, and make changes. I'm not afraid of making changes to that or in second or third round revisions. But I do generally have an outline that I go by. And when I'm writing, I don't count words. I don't, I don't count pages as some people do, like they might say. Some authors say, I, I need to write a thousand words a day. 
or something like that. I, I go to, to go more by chapters. Like this weekend, let's say I have a goal of getting two chapters done or three chapters mm-hmm. done. And then I can mark it off the list. And those could take a couple hours or they could end up taking three or four days. But um, I just go till the chapters are done. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you working on a new novel now? I'm in the research phase and beginning to put notes to paper that are the beginning of an outline. Yes. And so I I haven't completely nailed it down yet, but but I, I feel like I found something that is, it is too early to talk about, but I've got something percolating. (laughs) Given your experience of of writing, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Well, I can tell you what I attribute my finally getting published to that I didn't do with the first two novels. And, And there's a couple things. One is I got involved in a really robust critique group. I did everything so solo in the first couple novels, but but mm-hmm. having a writing group that we have met now for five years, maybe six, every single month. I mean, we might have missed three months in all those years where we meet either together or virtually, um, and and we critique each other's work. They're also historical fiction writers, and I learned so much not just by the things that they would observe about my drafts and the input and insights they gave me. But I learned a lot about the craft just from reading theirs and developing this eye to how some of their things could be improved. I took uh, a few courses. I was in the Yale summer program, and and that was a big workshop where we all critiqued each other's work. And, And I've done other courses here outside of Atlanta that are taught by New York Times bestselling authors where, again, we're in this workshop setting critiquing each other's work. And I I think that really helped. The other thing that 
was a big boost for me was searching for and finding a commissioned developmental editor with my debut novel, which was Millicent Glenn's Last Wish. When I found her and she took me on, it was worth every penny uh, to have this professional. She, she's an author and also a fiction teacher herself, that, and she does this. But um, to have that person go through your whole novel and Jeff, I think, tell, you know, tell me all the, the wonderful things about it. And then tell me the things that really weren't working was I listened <laughs> and, um, that's what I would recommend that along with not giving up, as I mentioned earlier. Sure. And who did you work with? If you don't mind, well, I don't asking. mind. Her name is Jenna Blum. She's a uh, co-founder of the, uh, Amadi Blaze, which is a Facebook group that came about during COVID. She wrote years ago, this novel that really inspired me called, um, uh, oh gosh, now I'm drawing a blank. Um, those who save us, which is a world war two dual timeline story. And that really was one of the earliest books that got me to fall in love with storylines that go between past and present and those dual threads. And later when I just happened to discover that this is uh, something that she does with a few select clients every year, I was um, really honored and humbled to have her work with me on that. And so, you know, we became friends and um, she's just an inspiration personally and professionally. That's great. Well, what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh, I really enjoyed Take My Hand by Dolan Perkins Valdez. And it is set in the 1970s, which, you know, these days is kind of considered historical fiction. I'm aging myself, but, <laughs> uh, but it's set in Alabama and a story of some poor families who were part of this program that was funded by the government where ultimately there was a trial. It's based in uh, real history that some terrible things happened to some families. And uh, Dolan is such a beautiful writer. I fell in love with her work when she wrote the book Wench uh, some years ago too. And she's just lovely. I also love Patty Callahan Henry and uh, her novel Surviving Savannah actually came out, gosh, it might have been a year a year ago now, but it really stands in my mind as one of my favorite dual timeline stories where I'm learning as I go, learning about this this ship that sunk in the 1800s off the coast of Savannah, Georgia, and I live in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And And yet it's not just learning the history. It's just beautifully told. And it's about the characters and their relationships. It's um, stunning. That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? Well, just go to ToriWhitaker.com. You'll find links to all the places my book can be sold and my expanded bio and some fun facts about me. And... I've got a blog there and that also has links to all my social media 
Instagram, et cetera. That's that's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Tori Whitaker, author of the new novel, A Matter of Happiness. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Tori, thanks for doing this interview. Jeff, it's an honor to have you ask me. Thank you so much. <laughs> Wonderful. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.